So what if you're single? You're never alone in the single soul circle. Join us as we hear from singles who will inspire you and help you face the unique challenges and opportunities of the single life. I'm your host, Heidi Fry. I'm excited to have Laura Lee Kazuli join me in the single soul circle today. Laurel is comprehensively trained in various clinical trauma healing techniques and protocols. She worked for eight years as a mental health therapist in Phoenix, Arizona. Most of her clients were victims of sexual assault, violent crime, narcissistic abuse, and domestic violence. For the last 25 years, she has extensively studied and practiced energy psychology techniques, life transformation practices, and spiritual healing methodologies. As a now recovered and thriving victim of narcissistic abuse, she knows firsthand that healing and thriving after narcissistic abuse requires an integrated, holistic approach. And Laurel is also the author of The Giving Stump. She describes the book with the following thoughts. Relationship frustrations, fruitless arguments with your romantic partner, anger, resentment, annoyance, jealousy, feeling misunderstood and manipulated, Maybe it's not you. Learn to easily recognize narcissistic abuse in casual conversation, as well as the telltale signs often seen in its victims. So thank you for being here today, Laurel, to talk more about narcissism. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So I know I've heard a lot of people throw the term around, oh, he's a narcissist. Could you share more of what you believe narcissism is? Yeah, I'd love to. And that's a great question to start out with. Um, When we call someone a narcissist, at least in the context that we're doing it here, we do not mean the technical diagnostic criteria has been met for narcissistic personality disorder. What we really mean is it's more of um, a display of traits and a display of specific behavior patterns that are done for any number of reasons to manipulate or to quote unquote gain the upper hand in any relationship. And Just to be really frank here, anybody on the planet is capable of this behavior at any given time because it it is kind of a default mode that we go to to protect ourselves. And now those who are kind of aware and doing spiritual work will recognize this in themselves and not even spiritual work, just any type of personal growth. And they'll realize the damaging effects that this type of behavior has in relationships and they'll want to change it. So when I say narcissist, in this context, I'm real. I'm not diagnosing. I'm really just talking about it being a display of traits, such as manipulation, grandiosity. And could you also share some stories and examples of narcissism in action? I would love to. In fact, when I was preparing for this, I really sat down and thought about the message I want to get out to your listeners. What I really want to do is focus on empowering women and men, because both men and women can be narcissists, both men and women can be victims, and um, also really how to support each other. And so I have stories that I'd love to share that I think really exemplify the narcissistic criteria being met in terms of manipulation, and then the resolution that is really quite satisfying to hear the story. So great. So let's see. Uh, My first one is a client of mine. I'm calling her Lily. That's not her real name. A beautiful woman. um, And she has a lot of body image issues that we've worked on over the years. She's just gorgeous. But she had 
these shaming ideas about her body. Anyway, she met a man who they ended up going out and dating and they just had this seemingly fabulous connection. He love-bombed the heck out of her and narcissists do this by recognizing the shame patterns, the woundedness within us, and they're able to dive in, morph into whatever our soul needs or whatever our inner child needs. And then that way we become highly bonded to them. So he did this with Lily and they went on a few dates and Mm -hmm. they ended up being intimate and she just was sure she found the one. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, crickets, he ghosted her. And I talk about this in my two latest videos on my YouTube channel. I have part one and part two of ghosting. And it is a purposeful manipulation. And so she did what any of us would do. She waited a few days and sent him a timid text and, hey, just wanted to say I really enjoyed my time with you and blah, blah, blah. And so this is when his true nature really started coming out. And what he did was, hey, how are you doing, Lily? You know, I'm not really interested in a relationship. And this is after they were intimate. But if you ever want a chest massage in the future, let me know. Hmm. Okay, so he totally objectified her. made it like her only value was her breasts. And so she did what she thought. She had been working with me for a couple of years. She did what she thought was empowering. She said, well, that was a rude remark. You know, I'd like to think that I meant a little more than that. So what he did was he played dumb. Now, playing dumb is a hallmark of narcissism. And I want you guys to be aware that this happens. And he's like, what? I was giving you a compliment. I just told you you had a nice rack. God, you're such a bitch. This is why we would never work out. And so she ended up calling me in tears and had an emergency session. After we worked through her triggers, because narcissists will trigger us, she and I came up with the following response. And we were just tickled with it. And this is what we wrote. I wrote it down. So he said, I'm telling you, you've got a great rack. That was his last text to her. And so she wrote back with my help, oh, stop it, you silver-tongued devil. You know, I can't for the life of me figure out why you've been single for the last 10 years. And then she blocked him and she felt super empowered. So getting on their playing field is really important, but not as a way of life, just Mm -hmm. as a way of you going in, diving in, getting your personal power back and then getting out. I do not recommend doing this without someone like me who knows the field, who's been studying this for you know, practically my whole life and and especially in the last 10 years where she really had to do this in this classy way. Oh, stop it, you silver tongue devil. You know, I can't for the life of me figure out why you've been single for the last 10 years. And, you know, what could he say to that? So Mm -hmm. she just blocked him. And that's another thing. Get your last statement in and then block. That's another thing Mm -hmm. that's really important. If you're not ready to stand in your true authentic personal power and move into that space where you can actually play on their playing field. And this sounds kind of mean, but when it comes to being mentally abused like this, we only want to get on their playing field for as long as it takes to kind of set the record straight, realign, and then get out. We do not want to stay there as a way of life because that's, that's not healthy either. So, and the first thing we had to do with Lily was heal her overwhelming and seething and and just horrific body shaming because she had been intimate with him and all of a sudden he ghosted her. And so so we went into, he doesn't like my body, he thinks my stomach is fat, blah, 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 blah. Every woman in America goes there. And it has nothing to do with that. He just purposely looked at her, quickly sized her up, pinpointed her woundedness, morphed into her knight in shining armor, 
love bombed her, got her trauma bonded, got her hooked on him, and then dropped the bomb. And they do this because it makes them feel powerful. They have a false mask and it's odd to someone like you or me. Why would we ever want to upset anybody? We wouldn't. We don't have a paradigm for that. But when it comes to someone who's narcissistically abusive, it's called narcissistic supply. This is how they get their fuel to even live and to exist during the day. So he did not get from her the predictable sobbing and crying and trying to make it right and everything that a victim, uh, and I am saying victim here, even though I know nowadays we don't like to look at the victim, but we have to in this sense, to go to it, to really recognize the dynamic. He didn't get that from her. What he got was a really empowered text message that was not fueled any longer by her own pain because we had worked and we did EFT and visualization and up-leveling within the session in order to get her to the place where she could send that. So that was one story. And I'm not here to tell anybody to not date, not go out. I mean, our experiences are very sacred. And we have to go through these two, by the way, to excavate our pain and heal and transform our pain. Narcissists do serve a purpose in that way. But if you don't know that, it's very, very painful. Be aware that when there's that high levels of pleasure and then high levels of pain coming together, we will trauma bond. And this is why we will waste our whole lives, if we don't know any better, fawning after the approval and trying to fix the relationship. This is biology. There's nothing wrong with you, but we do need to know how to navigate it. And this is not something you can just muscle through without somebody who doesn't understand this dynamic. Okay. And also I want to say I am not licensed anymore to practice as a therapist. The work I do is strictly spiritual and energetic and, you know, just giving you tools to help de-stress. So I want to really emphasize that. In some cases, I just refer out to, to trauma therapists because it's not appropriate for me. This is a process and a journey. And narcissists provide us, again, with windows into where our woundedness is. And if we choose to, we can look at this as a gift. It stinks and it hurts and it's terrible when it's happening. But if you know the tools, if you know EFT, if you know, you know how to do hypnosis and, or even just mindfulness and cognitive restructuring and all these things that are really coming to the forefront right now, we can really heal those wounded parts of ourselves and up-level and actually become whole and enter into relationships from a whole and integrated space rather than a broken and wounded space that basically are red flags to people coming in and, and exploiting us for, for their own um, personal gratification and, and to garner that narcissistic supply. Could you share more about how our emotional wounds play into narcissism? If you have, which we all do, we all have childhood trauma. If we have wounds that have not even been acknowledged or have not really been worked through, we become highly attracted, highly attracted, sexually aroused by partners who have the potential to reach that wound. This is because we live our lives, if we live our lives from that emotional woundedness, which most people do, so we're highly attracted to partners who can have, who have the potential to satiate that woundedness within us, which narcissists do because guess what? Like I said, they come in and love bomb. They come, become the knight in shining armor. You know, if your mother told you you're ugly and worthless and that your sister was way more beautiful, then guess what he's going to say? Oh my God, your sister is ugly. I can't believe your mom ever said this. You are gorgeous and I would choose you any day and or whatever it is. That's the other thing they coax victims into disclosing their deep, dark secrets because then they do this as a way to exploit them. So be aware of your attraction patterns. And the best 
gauge for that is outcome. What do your relationships look like? Are they respectful and kind or are they wonderful for a couple months and then crash and burn? You know, look at the outcome. And if the outcome is not congruent with what you think is a healthy relationship, then you probably got some inner work to do or at least some rethinking to do. And that attraction, that sexual arousal and attraction is an absolute beast to work through because it is, you're literally narcissists hijack our biology. And I talk about this process in The Giving Stump and, you know, this ridiculous relationship between this man and his tree stump, which is, of course, a spinoff of Shel Silverstein's beloved classic, The Giving Tree, which, by the way, he meant as, it's, he literally said, hey, this is just a relationship between two people. One gives, the other takes. That's what he said about it. And then you got all these religious gurus and all these people who are trying to glorify Tree, who became a stump, her selfless giving. It's the wrong paradigm. And stump, she's a tree stump. She can no longer help oxygenate the air. She can no longer provide apples, you know, food. She can no longer provide a home for little critters. She is, I hate to say it, but she's worthless in her stump state. And the only thing she's good for is to provide a sitting place for an old thankless man who completely took everything of value and completely wasted it. And it got sucked into his black hole. What should someone do if they're experiencing narcissistic behavior from a partner? So if this is happening in your life, the first thing I would say is stop, just stop, just stop all contact, just stop. You know, and if you don't talk to me, talk to somebody. There's so many forums, there's so much going on right now online, which is great. We have this great um, awakening going on with what narcissistic abuse is. And, you know, we can see it in all different levels from corporations up to our government. You know, we could, I don't want to analyze mm -hmm. that too much, but we <laughs> see these things going on. Mm -hmm. And the solution to this is to increase the number of recovered and thriving empaths this way we can stand totally in our power. And when we really get this knowledge in the hands of everyone and we make this common knowledge and we help them heal their wounds and we help them up level and we help them come into a place of true personal mastery and we have a whole world of enlightened, empowered, healed empaths, we will develop this herd immunity and narcissism will have to transform. They won't be able to get any of their narcissistic supply and they will die out and then we will up level to a new and enlightened state of humanity I mean, this is just my vision. This is why I'm so passionate about this because I see, I see the effect of, in the people that I work with and how they become empowered and how these narcissists just fall away. They just don't show up. And then they're able to attract really wonderful, healthy friendship relationships. So what are some of the red flags that people might see? Sure. Great question. Um, well, first of all, you want to watch out for a couple things. Number one, somebody who seems too good to be true, okay? Number two, this somebody is pushing intimacy or is rushing the relationship, okay? If you're on your second date with him or her and you are suddenly telling them about your deepest, darkest, most horrible pain, you probably just need to back up and go, whoa, let me just assess. You know, let me just assess where I'm at. And really the telltale sign is going to be your raging hormones, and what happens in your body when you're with this person. And if you haven't done the personal work, or if you have a track record of being fairy tale, you know, fairy tale relationships, and then it nosedives much mm -hmm. to your confusion, then it could be that this 
that you're in a series of narcissistic relationships and just don't know it. Another thing is moving really fast. They want to suddenly move in. They're talking about getting married. It becomes very exclusive. This is a huge red flag because most people, healthy people, even if we're, everybody's a little bit broken, but it's not healthy to just lose yourself in the, in the identity of another person. That is a huge red flag. That's, you may have some work inner work to do. The other things is you'll notice you'll go out to dinner and they will be really disrespectful to a staff member or they'll send their food back and they'll just somebody that they view lower than them, like lower in ranking in society. So, you know, it's just something that would make you bristle and go, oh, don't ignore that. That's that's very mm -hmm. concerning. The other thing is little lies, exaggerating. It's a big thing. Oh, yeah, I own this company and I was, you know, they wanted me to do this, but I blah, blah, blah. And I was only making, you know, $480,000 a year at that time. And uh, so there's just this, this exaggeration that's going on. And then it could be not just about money. It could be about anything. You know, they won these bodybuilding competitions or they used to model for, I don't know. They just come up with all kinds of stuff that is designed to make you feel less than. And you just be aware. And also the biggest thing is as an empath, aka codependent, we have... A beautiful gift of our intuition. This can get overridden by our hormonal impulses, our hormonal, our desire to mate with this person who has the potential to heal th these wounds within us. But if something doesn't feel right, take some time. Don't jump in bed with them. And also don't think that sex is going to fix anything. And don't put your blinders on, okay? Other things is um, they talk about their horrible ex-girlfriends. They were the big problems in the relationship. You want to look for this victimization in a way like, oh my God, she was so horrible. She drained my bank account. She did this and that and that. And it's possible that it he was the victim. I say he, and she, but it's interchangeable. It's possible. But what you want to do is look at it with these other red flags. Now, if it was a victim who's truly empathic and codependent, he's not going to be rude to the wait staff. He's mm -hmm. not going to open the door for a beautiful young person who comes in and then let it shut on the elderly woman walking in. He won't do those things. And you think I'm kidding, but watch, just this is, these are the things that happen. So those are just a few of the red flags. There are many, many others. Yeah. I was also going to ask a little bit more about ghosting because I know ghosting is a really big thing in the single world. Can you share more about how that plays into narcissism? Absolutely. Um, and I just finished my second video on this and I'll have it uploaded very soon. Ghosting nowadays has become rampant because you can literally ghost somebody within a minute because you don't answer that text. And, and if you're really, quote unquote, good at this, you don't answer it. And then you go online and you start liking and responding to mutual friends on social media because you know that that victim is going to notice this. Mm -hmm. And so ghosting is something that, you know, 30 years ago, it was a lot different. The phone just didn't ring. And you never found out what happened to the person. Okay? And the reason that narcissists do this, or even the reason that broken people do this, like, again, it's not just narcissists. It's because, number one, they want the narcissistic supply. Number one, they want to break that other person because it makes them feel all powerful. Wow, look at this. She's obsessed with me. And now I get to block her and tell everybody that, oh, my God, this girl is blah, blah, blah. Very ego-driven, fragile ego. It satiates false ego. But the other thing it does is there's something called preemptive abandonment, where maybe they really are getting connected to you. And really, they are feeling that 
energy and that love and that connection. And they, it touches on their own fears. So preemptive abandonment, not interested. Yeah. How would you suggest people deal with that if they're being ghosted? What should, um, what should they do? Great question. First of all, develop a paradigm for ghosting. Empaths, you and I don't have this paradigm. We don't understand why somebody would just abandon for their own personal benefit. We don't get it. We wouldn't do that to somebody. We wouldn't hurt somebody on purpose. But if you develop a paradigm for it in your brain, it, you're going to have a much easier time going, ah, oh, he ghosted me. I've been duped. Instead, if you don't have this paradigm, and you're not aware, what do you do? Oh my God, maybe he got in a car accident. Maybe he got back together with his ex. With his ex. Maybe he moved to, you know, Zimbabwe, like he said he was going. Maybe he, oh my God. I, you know, you go through all these suppositions or maybe I, you know, maybe he got grossed out because I have that weird toenail or like we <laughs> move into these self-depreciating modes mm -hmm. or these panic modes because our brain is looking for the paradigm to understand what happened. So the number one thing to protect yourself from ghosting is have the paradigm for ghosting. And the other thing I'll say is uh, don't reach out to the abuser. Also, can I just say this? He mm -hmm. might not be ghosting. He might just be healthily pacing the relationship and your woundedness wants more of it. So self-awareness is super important here. Mm -hmm. I think we tend to over overanalyze and over quote unquote diagnose. I'm not diagnosing anybody here, but we tend to tag people as narcissists if they trigger our wounds. But really step back. If it's only been a day or two and you just really started dating him, just chill out. Mm -hmm. You know, go on my YouTube channel and look at some of the the videos I'm putting up on tapping, but this is a pressure point tapping called mm -hmm. emotional freedom technique that quells the stress response so that you can look at the situation from a healthy frame of mind instead of your woundedness. That's triggering. Oh my God, my dad left to go get cigarettes one day and never came back. If that's triggering you, him not calling you or not responding right away, you know, it may not be ghosting at all and you may be just getting triggered. So paradigm awareness and use whatever's coming up as an opportunity to go within and heal your woundedness. Okay. Now, one thing I'm going to say right now, please, I hope everyone hears me on this. Personal power does not mean yelling and screaming and getting one up and insulting. And I don't know how, I don't know how these wires get crossed here, but it's really important just because you can call him these names and, and say these really evil, awful things to him. That is completely id. It's completely your lizard brain trying to level the playing field, especially if it's something that's just he just didn't respond to you. Okay, so be careful. Don't go to that. It's much more powerful to just just, just kind of step way back and let him take the – if he doesn't call you again, he doesn't call you again. You can block him off social media. doesn't matter. What you don't want to do is give him that overwhelming emotional response, whether it be crying or – panic or anger, none of that. And then if he does reach out to you again, the key here is always, always, always going within and healing your own woundedness. And then so you can look at things much more objectively. And there are times when someone who blatantly has ghosted you, like what happened with, with Lily, where it's very obvious that, I mean, because it's followed with those insults and that just extreme degradation and that objectification. Those in those cases, which happen a lot more than we know, it is very, very important to cut off contact, go no contact, and then seek somebody to help you work through this. Is a connection possible that's not driven by emotional wounds? I'm not saying that there's never 
true love and that there's not really deep, intimate connection. Two people who are very masterful, who have mutual respect for each other, they can reach some really powerful levels of intimacy. So I'm not saying that's off the table forever. But as you're healing, no, don't mistake emotional woundedness and the resulting quote-unquote passion for that um, higher level of true connection and uh, true soul connection and true lovemaking and true intimacy. This requires, this higher level requires two people coming into the relationship who are highly aware. We're human. We're going to, we have a brain. We're going to have our woundedness. We have a need to connect, a need to partner up, a need to have intimacy. We have that. I just want people to become aware of what is fueling that for you. That's helpful information. And I was also going to ask, so how do we tell the difference? How do we know when somebody is truly connecting with us and when they're exploiting our emotional wounds and connecting with those? So how do we tell that difference to find the true connections? I would say the number one thing is how do you handle disagreements? You know, along with ghosting, you know, there are tactics like stonewalling, refusing to talk about important issues or just the other manipulative tactics for my, but in my power card deck, I have 50 of the most common narcissistic abuse tactics. And really, this is about learning. It's almost like learning a foreign language, one step at a time. And I mean, I know several couples who are truly intimate and have that true level of connection. And this doesn't mean they never argue. This doesn't mean they always see eye to eye. In fact, that's boring. We don't want somebody who is always agreeing with us. It's boring. Um, and not not just boring, but there's no growth there. We're here to grow and learn and discover. Mm-hmm. But is a disagreement handled in a way where, okay, I hear you and what you're saying, and this is what you're saying, and this is my personal belief. And it's more of a healthy thing. It's not saying they never yell. It's not saying they never argue. It's not saying they don't take time out from each other. That's not stonewalling. That's just logical. But the end result is coming together in a respectful way that truly recognizes the other person, doesn't make it all about your wound. You know, you recognize, you agree to disagree kind of thing. And this is something that many of us, when we're first starting our healing journey, we will try to mimic. And unfortunately, we try to stuff this person into this paradigm because he satiates our woundedness. And that's part of the process too. But unfortunately, this is really just something that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's like learning a foreign language or learning a new musical instrument uh, or any skill. It's just something you have to take time to recognize and to learn about and to grow. And speaking about learning about those things. So you had mentioned you have your YouTube channel. Can you share more about the ways that if somebody wants to explore this more with you? How, how can they connect with you? Sure. I do have my YouTube channel and my YouTube name is Laurel Lee Kazuli. Now, disclaimer, I'm brand new. It's a couple weeks old. I just am starting to get online. So I'm still kind of a fledgling that way. You can also get on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the giving stump, which is the name of my book, the giving stump. And then also I am doing on May 23rd, I'm doing a free podcast that uh, anybody can join. It doesn't cost anything. I don't know. If I may, I'll may. i probably just do a Facebook Live. So get on that page. And I'm going to do a free podcast of squaring off with the fear of speaking our truth. And the reason I want to do this is because there's four responses to trauma as a child to when somebody is bullying or injuring or harming or scaring you. And that's fight, 
flight, fawn, or freeze. Well, guess which ones codependents are? Fawn. We fawn. This means we don't own our truth. We stand beside our truth and we kind of acquiesce to the abuser. And because it is a fear response, it is a survival response. Um, and I really want to teach people ways to kind of square off with that fear and be able to say, wow, I just, I really cannot agree with this. Again, not being abusive or bully-like in response, but just really squaring off with it. Um, so that is going to be on May 23rd at 2 p.m. So they can sign up on my um, The Giving Stump. It's, I just made that group public. I'm not sharing any personal information on it. It's just mm -hmm. people who want to learn more about this. And they can also email me, and you can provide the email below, at laurellee777 at gmail.com. I'm also, my session, my individual sessions, so I normally do $99 for an hour, but for this podcast, I am doing a special uh, for 55. I like double numbers. <laughs> um, and you can get a lot just out of my free podcast and my videos. If you can't afford it, it's okay. But sometimes people really needed that extra help. And oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I've really been triggered, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that does include a free 30-minute consultation where we just kind of go over your history and everything. Again, not counseling, simply life skills, stress management, and educating you on narcissistic abuse so that you can up-level from it. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we close? I am creating a casebook for uh, stories for narcissistic abuse, especially recovery stories. But I also am very interested in hearing all about what is your worst experience with this type of treatment. I'm very interested and I'm going to have a casebook and then I'm going to be analyzing them. Um, and it's going to be for the layperson. It's not going to be a lot of psychological jargon. But I think, like I said, the more we get out there the more we get this information out there. So I'm interested in your stories. You can remain completely anonymous and you can email me for more information on that. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Laurel. Thank you. This is great. I just had such a blast. Thank you, Heidi, for what you're doing to help the world too. It's just really beautiful. And uh, I'm just thrilled that I was on here today. Thank you for listening to the Single Soul Circle podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for a guest, email me at singlesoulcircle at gmail.com and be sure to check out our blog at singlesoulcircle.com.